Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Join me, your host, Alexia Gordon, as I chat with authors writing cozy, traditional, and historical mysteries. You won't find explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find intriguing authors and quality fiction. Thanks for listening. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Author Edith Maxwell, writing as Maddie Day, joins me in the corner today to chat about Murder Uncorked, the first mystery in our new series, The C.C. Martin Mysteries. Welcome, Edith. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You write several series as both Edith Maxwell and Maddie Day. So what number series is the uh, C.C. Martin Mysteries for you? What number? Um, one, two, three, four. It's my sixth series, but currently I write only only two others. <laughs> so I write three three books a year in three different series. I like that. Only two others, given that a you know one book's at least seventy thousand words. That's a lot of words. <laughs> That's a lot of words. <laughs> so please um, uh, introduce us to Cece and tell us about what's going on in Murder Uncorked. Sure. Cece Barton is a um, early 40s widow. Um, uh, she was living in Pasadena. Um, she has a daughter who's in college in northern central California at UC Davis. And her twin sister lives in this uh, scenic little town in the wine country of Alexander Valley. Um and Allie, her twin sister, invites her, urges her to come and why don't you come live in Colinas with so you can hang out with family? And, you know, Allie has two, has twin 10 year old nephews. Um, and Cece decides she will and she gets a job managing a wine bar, um, in a historic adobe building. Um, and then there's a murder. And Allie is suspected in murder uncorked. And that will never do because this is her twin sister. <laughs> and um, so the, actually the two of them get to work on trying to figure out who actually killed um, this kind of uh, cantankerous guy who works for a wine, sort of a consortium of wineries to help uh, publicize them. Um so that's the that's the premise, that's the setting, and a little bit about why she's working on solving a murder when she's not a detective, not a police officer, no experience. Now you say she has a twin sister. That must have been kind of fun writing about twins as characters. What inspired that? I don't know what inspired it. They're fraternal twins, so they're different, but they're twins, so they've always been together. Um I, I, maybe I find twins fascinating. I'm not a twin. I don't have any twins in my immediate family. Although my cut, my, my two sons have two sets of cousins that are fraternal twins. Um, and it's just an interesting relationship that, that they are close and they butt heads sometimes, right? They have conflicts like all sisters have conflicts. Um, and the two little boys are also fraternal twins and are also different, very different from each other and also very close. And they have each other's back. Um, 
it just um, just I just thought it'd be an interesting dynamic. I've never written about twins, and um, you know, I was designing a brand new series, so why not? And you're based uh, in on the East Coast in New England, more more specifically. So, how did you decide to set this series in California, which is very different than the East Coast? Absolutely. The first impetus was that my editor of my two other Maddie series I write as Maddie Day asked me if I would write a, ser- a new series set on the West Coast. Well, I am a fourth generation Californian on my mother's side. I was born in Pasadena. I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley uh, to the east of Los Angeles. And, um, and my mother's family is all, and my Part of my father's family were all from the San Francisco area, the Bay Area. So I thought, of course, I'll say, I'd love to write a new series out of California. Thank you very much, finally. And um, my aunt and uncle, my dad's youngest sister um, and her husband, who's, a, who's actually a published author and journalist, um, Richard Reinhardt, they built a, a vacation home. They live in San Francisco. They built a vacation home in the Alexander Valley, which is about a 90-minute drive north of the city. Um, and it's a really rich wine-producing region. I, I've been saying it's like Napa's lesser-known little sister, um, but it's very, really excellent wines. They built a vacation home up in the hills of Geyserville on the north end of the Alexander Valley, in, which is in Sonoma County. And I've been there. I went there in college. I mean, I've been going for all of occasionally for those 50 years that they've owned it. Um, my uncle is still living. He's 96, still lives alone in his house, his row house in San Francisco. And, um, you know, I just, I thought that's, that's a great setting. And of course, my character, my protagonist has to have something to do with wine. Right. She's not a wine grower. She's not a winemaker, but she deals in wine um, in, in this wine bar that offers tastings from a number, number of different local wineries. So and of course, I also had to model a character on my Uncle Dick. So her next door neighbor is Richard Flora. He's a little younger. He's 90. And um, he's a wise guy and a wise man. And he has lived in the area a long time really knows some secrets and some kind of knows everybody in town, which is helpful. And he's a gardener like Cece is. So, Did you uh, have to do research into the wine industry? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I love drinking wine, but I'm not an expert by any means. Um, but that's what research is for. And that's kind of fun. Um, one of my uncle's friends up in that area um, is a wine reviewer and wine publicist. And when I was out doing research a year ago, um, Joe Diaz had me over for dinner with her and her husband. And at one point she brought out this amazing kit of 103 tiny bottles that they used to train uh, sommeliers in the aromas that wines have. And like there are flashcards and there's a quiz, it's a test. And you have to memorize, you have to learn all these scents. And so that's fascinating. <laughs> um, you know, and I've done some tasting, of course. And uh, 
yeah. So some research, definitely. The tasting is probably the best part of it. Of course. <laughs> so what what wine would you pair with Murder Uncorked? Wow. Well, there is a winery called the Alexander Valley Winery, Vineyards and Winery. And I did a, a really nice tasting there when I was out last year and really picked the brains of the young woman who was doing the presentation. Um, so I, I guess I'd pick an Alexander Valley red. They have Cabernet Sauvignon. They have Pinot Noir. I'm not sure what else they have. Um, that's what I would pair. A nice, rich red because there's blood sometimes. So. Uh, speaking of, of wines or any product that actually exists, I mean, you know, some folks hesitate to put actual products in their their books if their books happen to involve crimes like murder because uh, you know they may worry that the company doesn't want their brand associated with things like that. So do you um, just not worry about that and just use the you know names of real products that you that you enjoy or 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 do you make up uh, product names? Uh, to, so That's interesting. That with you. Uh, yeah, um, I have used the names of real wines and wineries, um, but I don't kill anybody with them. So that's where I would draw the line. I wouldn't ever kill anybody in a real restaurant or a real library. Um, and that's one handy thing about making up a town is that I can kill anybody anywhere because I made it all up. Um, as long as I stick to Colinas, it's near Healdsburg. Um, although you don't look too closely on a map because there isn't quite room for another town in quite where I've said it. Um, so yeah, I would never, I wouldn't put poison in an Alexander Valley wine, for example, or a Pedroncelli wine. Or, yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that you know, the Alexander Valley was uh, what Napa's lesser known cousin. Uh, tell us more about it. I, I will admit that I've, I've heard of Napa. I've heard of Sonoma, but the more specific places like the Alexander Valley, I've never heard of. So there's probably at least one person listening who hasn't. <laughs> Is not familiar with it. Yeah, it's just a a lovely um, valley at the at the northern end of Sonoma County, and um, there are hills around. Um, in fact, the name of my fictional town is Colinas, which means hills in Spanish. And you know, California has so many Spanish uh, place names. Um, Healdsburg is, I guess, the biggest town, and it's a it's a Used to be a sleepy little town, and now it's gotten very, um, it's getting a bit uh, like some of the people who work there can't afford to live there kind of place. Um, but there's shops, and a, there's a really lovely town plaza where they have a farmer's market on on one of the day, couple days a week. Um, and there are other towns like there's Cloverdale, which is further north. Um, another, that that's still a kind of a sleepy town. And when I was out last year speaking of research, I had contacted the chief of police of Cloverdale because it's about the size of my Colinas. And um, and he was so great. And I, I had an appointment with him. I went and chatted with him and he just talked and talked. And um, yeah, thank you, Jason. <laughs> chief Jason. Um, oh, his last name has escaped me right now. Yeah. Um, so so that, you know, like policing 
the issues of policing in a town about that size in that area. Um, so, and then Geyserville, the town where my uncle's house is, um, and where I'm having a wonderful launch event at a winery on on October 29th. Oh, that's um, so <laughs> Yeah, the Pedroncelli Winery, 3 p.m. Sunday, the 29th. Um, uh, Geyserville is, there's a lot of these places in California. It's an un, unincorporated area. So they don't, Geyserville itself doesn't have its own police department. They, they rely on the, on the county sheriff's department. So there are issues with that and that I can bring in. And as with many small towns for a murder, they usually call in the county, the county officials, the county de- sheriff's detectives. Um, in Massachusetts, they call in the state police, but you know, only the really big cities have their own homicide divisions and, and detectives who are experienced in that. And you also write, um, you know, in addition to this, this contemporary series set in wine country, um, you also write a series of historical mysteries, the Quaker midwife mysteries, um, as Edith Maxwell. So how do you um, approach, you know, sort of contemporary wine country that's, that's very much now um, you know, versus something written long ago in the past? I mean, do you, do you approach those differently or is it the same process, just different characters and time, time periods or? Well, the research is much different for a historical, of course, because everything's different. Everything's different. But but what they have in common is human motivations, right? And human behavior. Pretty much that hasn't changed. And some social issues haven't changed remarkably, sadly. <laughs> um, you know, um, so uh, in terms of the mystery... I don't approach it that differently, except for police procedure, of course, because then they, um, you know, in the late 1800s, they didn't have fingerprinting, right? There was no blood typing. They couldn't identify which bullet came from which gun. They could tell what kind of gun, probably. but um, and, and in terms of the midwifery and births, there, was no, there were no antibiotics, um, they knew about the germ theory of infection. So my midwife knows to wash her hands and everything, but, but that, and, and an un, unmedicated home birth really hasn't changed from then to now. Um, really. Um, but, uh, the, in terms of the mystery, I don't think I approach it any differently. You know, I'm writing, I'm trying to write a really good story that are, I'm going to keep readers up at night, <laughs> turning the page. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Katrina McPherson uh, described Murder on Cork as a uh, plotty puzzle of a murder mystery. So given that you write so many series, um, how do you continue to create such plotty puzzles uh, from series to series and book to book to keep readers coming back and turning the pages without um, you know, either repeating the same story or getting the series mixed up? How do you How do you manage all that? Well, I don't get the series and characters mixed up. And people ask me that all the time. Like, how do you possibly juggle all that? And I, there, this is something the great Sheila Connolly, late Sheila Connolly said to me years ago when she was writing three series and I was asking her and she said, but they're so real to me. I don't get my sisters mixed up or, you know, I don't get people I know mixed up. Why, how could I mix up the 
characters in this series with the characters in that series. And that's that part is absolutely true. When I was starting out, very starting out, and I was starting to write two series, um, I was in an in-person writer's group, a critique group. And one of the members was very good at saying, wait a minute, Lauren would say that, but Cam would never say that. And I would go, oh, you're right. I've just transposed their, you know, attitudes and their thoughts and stuff. But I don't, I don't do that at all anymore because I've, I'm, I'm almost done writing right now. This week, my, I think it's my 36th novel, my 36th mystery. (laughs) So, um, I've been at this. My first book came out 11 years ago, but I've been at this really intensely full time for 10 years. And, um, I think, I think that helps to know how to keep them apart. What was the other part of your question? Oh, and just you know, how do you avoid, you know, repeating the oh, same right, right. story? I don't know. I, I, I do keep good notes on all my books and series um, and on the murder weapons I've used. Um, I've been, well, it's usually a blessing, sometimes a plague. Uh, I've had a hyperactive imagination my entire life, like since I can remember prone to nightmares as a child you know prone to fears and making stuff up about that noise I just heard to this day um so ideas just keep coming to me I'm really really grateful for that um I never have a shortage of ideas um you know working out the logistics of a particular book a particular plot and I don't plot I don't I hardly know what's happening two scenes from nine, from now. So I'm really just writing into the headlights, writing into the fog and pulling aside the mist as I go, you know, the curtains of mist. Um, so far, knock on wood, it's still working. Uh, the ideas come and the story evolves and I write it down and then I fix everything because there's a lot of fixing to do when you're not a plotter. <laughs> Now you you mentioned that you're on a, a writing retreat. Does going on a retreat and getting away from sort of the regular world uh, help your process? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. You know, at home I write every morning, but Sunday, um, and that's that's it. You know, I'm I'm writing or revising from seven to about eleven every morning. But when I go away by myself to a cottage on Cape Cod, as I do twice a year. Um, when it's not crowded, when it isn't full of tourists. Um, I write morning, afternoon, and night. You know, I'll take a break for lunch. I'll take a break in the afternoon to go walk to the beach and back. And I even write at night, which surprises me because I'm not a night person. But there's something about, and this this cottage has a bank of windows that are right ahead of me, looking out onto, um, there's a yard, and then there's some tall marshes behind that. And like, Except when it's dark, it's just me and my story. And I'm so immersed in it. By doing that, by writing hours and hours and hours a day, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm living the story almost. And yeah, I get a lot done. I've, I've written about a third of the book and I'm actually working on the second CC Barton mystery, which is going to be called Deadly Crush. Um, 
and that's the book I'm about to finish. I probably won't finish it before I go home tomorrow, but um, I'll get it done before my launch events happen when I'm going to California. Yeah, it's exciting. You, you've mentioned a couple of times about um, you know living the story, the characters seeming very real to you. Another thing that uh, I believe draws people to cozies is the the places feel real. Mm-hmm. Can't necessarily use it as a travel guide, but it does make you want to go visit. You know, in this case, the Sonoma Valley and Alexander Valley. So, do you put the same the thought and care into creating a vibrant sense of place as you do in creating characters that people want to keep coming back to book after book after book? Well, I certainly try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, I can't just at the drop of a hat go poke around the Alexander Valley because it's on the other coast. Um, but this is my third year in a row of going out and spending a week and I get to stay in the, in the house in Geyservale, which is lovely. Um, so I've really tried to capture that, you know, the smells and the, the, the feeling of it. Um, the house, my uncle's house is up on a hill, up in, in the hills. And one morning I was there, I woke up, I was by myself last year doing some writing and doing research on the place. And I looked out and I couldn't see the valley. There was fog that had risen up like to my eye level up in these hills, the whole valley was full of this fog. I could see the tips of a couple other hills and a couple of trees sticking up. And I just went, wow, just so the atmosphere of that. So I, of course, and it it usually burns off by around 11. But um, of course, I had to put that in a scene in one of the books. Um, I think it's in Murder on Cork. I'm not sure. Um, where, because that's just, you know, usually you're in this sunny valley, even when it's cool in the winter, it's mostly sunny. But then there's some days where you can hardly see across the street because it's so foggy. Wow. And that's the kind of thing you don't, I would never get on the internet research. Right? You don't, you have to go there. You have to go and feel it. Yes. Or read your book and experience it vicariously. Exactly. Exactly. I've certainly had people tell me, um, like, for example, the Quaker books, which are set in my town of Amesbury, but in the first book starts in 1888. Um, But they really, really got the feel for that era and the mills and the carriages and all the stuff that I did research on and put in 10% of that people said how much they appreciated like learning about that era in that area. So um, one thing I appreciated is that your sleuth Cece is over 40. Uh, it seemed like there was a, there was a while where cozy sleuths were all required to be, you know, barely out of college. Um, yeah. And yet you've got a, a main character with a college age daughter. Yeah. Um, and before that, I think maybe, you know, all sleuths had to be, elderly spinsters uh do you think maybe there's a a shift towards more inclusive age range in in cozy fiction like you can have the 29 year old and the midlife sleuth and the golden years sleuth i sure hope so i think so um for my like my little dessert while i've been here i'm reading um 
the last devil oh what's the title of it it's richard it's uh richard um osmond's latest um thursday murder club book i can't quite see the title it's over there um so i'll read like a sit and read while i'm eating and his lists are all pensioners right they're senior citizens who live in a retirement community they're amazing and so i really love that and there have been some other um julie henricus's um digging up the dirt the garden her garden sleuths series her protagonist lily is is retired and in her 60s i think um and i love that i love that range my um protagonist for my series set here on cape cod the cozy capers book group mystery mac almeida in the first book i think she's 36 or 37 so she's getting up there i mean not not all the way up there but um i i i hope so because you know people people are all ages why should our sleuths have to be young yes it's an you know if you've got if your sleuth has like toddlers at home like when is she going to get out sleuthing that's i think one reason that people make them younger or older that that authors do because um logistically that's tricky raquel reyes's series in set in miami her sleuth has a has a toddler and a supportive husband <laughs> and uh, i think she's pregnant in the next book um so but so she she figures out how to navigate around that raquel does in as in her writing um but in general that's i think one reason that people don't write sleuths with young families when are they going to get out and <laughs> solve the murder just spend more time solving what junior just ate exactly keeping him out of trouble <laughs> so uh, t- tell us about your launch event that sounds uh sounds really exciting to have an event in the winery yes that is exciting i actually have one on october 27th in my my home indie bookstore jabberwocky books in newburyport massachusetts at 7:00 on the 27th and the bookstore owner hasn't um had in person events since before the pandemic so this is really exciting you know i haven't had a launch event at home in a couple years wow. so three years so um and then the next day i'm flying to california and then on the 29th um at the pedroncelli pedroncelli winery in geyserville It's a ticketed event and a $10 ticket brings also wine and cheese and then you could get a higher level ticket that comes with a book. And I'll be there talking about the series and signing books and hopefully getting to sip some wine myself at the end of it. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that. And when it will Murder Uncorked be available to buy generally? It releases October 24th. So, um on it which is a Tuesday. and it'll be out in um hardcover um ebook and audio sometimes the audio lags a little bit i'm not sure if that'll be out the same day or not oh i was so, i was so excited i was at the big bachelorcon um convention in san diego um at the end of august and somebody came up to me after my panel and she said i'm the narrator for murder uncorked the audio narrator i went oh, oh. I've never met an audio one of my narrators before because my other two 
Maddie Day series are in audio, but I've never, I've never even been contacted. So it was great to meet her and talk a little bit. And then we had, we exchanged some emails. She had questions about a couple of the names and pronunciations. And so that's, I'm, I'm delighted about that. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. It was become a, a big thing, you know, who knew, but that's uh, great that now the narrators and the authors are getting to meet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was there. <laughs> Linda Johnson is her name. And uh, I'm assuming the audio will be available on Audible and other audio listening platforms. I, I, it usually is. So I'm assuming it will be too. I, I don't have the details on that, but um, wherever you find your audiobooks, let's say. <laughs> and the print books, uh, can I see what's the line? Wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> exactly. And you can pre order them from your local independent bookstore or anywhere else books are sold. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit about what you what you've been working on. So what's what's next for you? Yeah, so I'm writing Deadly Crush, um, and uh, at the end of December, uh, Deep Fried Death releases. That is the twelfth country store mystery. Um, that's my longest running series with Robbie Jordan in a breakfast and lunch restaurant that she owns and cooks for in Southern Indiana. And then the sixth Cozy Capers book group mystery, Murder at the Rusty Anchor. That'll be out in, I think it's June. Um, the Rusty Anchor is a pub I invented in this fictional town of Westham on Cape Cod uh, a couple of books ago. And then I, when I was, I had to write the next book, I thought, oh, okay, we'll murder somebody in the Rusty, Rusty Anchor because and again, it's a fictional town, so I can. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's just, I have one more book still under contract in the Country Store and Cozy Capers book group mysteries and two more after Murder on Cork in the C.C. Barton. And then we'll see. We'll see what gets renewed or where I go next. And where can readers connect with you to to find out what gets renewed and where you go next? Sure. On the front page of my website that Maddie, that Maddie Day and I share, edithmaxwell.com, uh, I love for readers to sign up for my author newsletter. I never give away names or addresses, so you don't have to worry about that. And um, it has pages for all of my different series and my short stories, some of which have been nominated for an Agatha Award for Best Short Story. And um, just other tidbits about my life in writing and uh, and all of that and news about what's coming next. There's a counter, there's a fun counter on the first page that tells how many days and hours till the next book releases. And on release day, I always have to remember to update it <laughs> for the next release. And there's so far, there's always a next release, which I'm, I feel great, very grateful about. Yeah. I'm, I'm really living my dream. I am absolutely loving this job. I work hard at it, but, um, I'd say it's the best job I've ever had. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Killing people on the page. <laughs> well, I, I know I'm taking a uh, time away from your, your writings. Um, so thank you very much for joining me today, uh, to, to chat about your, your newest release and, and your process and, and California and all these wonderful things you've talked about. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's always nice to chat with you, Alexia. And congratulations on your television 
debut, by the way. Where, oh. um, oh my gosh, I usually can say it. Gethsemane Brown, your sleuth, who's now a Hallmark movie star. So that's really fabulous. Yeah. So much. Yeah. I also forgot to mention that people can find me on Facebook um, at my Maddie Day slash Edith Maxwell author page. And I'm on Instagram and I'm on, I guess now we have to call it X. (laughs) Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, for a while. People are leaving, so I don't know. Anyway, um, I love I love when people contact me. And there's an email form on my website if people want to send me an email. And please do. Please connect. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for having me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was Edith Maxwell, writing his Maddie Day, chatting about Murder Uncorked, the first C.C. Martin mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Please support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you listen on. Follow the podcast on Instagram at podcast underscore cozy, on Facebook at The Cozy Corner Podcast, and the web at The Cozy Corner with AlexiaGordon.com. Follow me at Alexia Gordon Author on Instagram, AlexiaGordon.Writer on Facebook, and AlexiaGordon.Net on the web. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. And until next time, thanks for listening.